Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Found a way to get back up and pull that whole team up. Forward to seeing what the second week can bring. It's a chance for us to relive a week that saw Peugeot prevail as the Lion romped through South America. High-speed tricks were met with high-speed risks. And sometimes the line was crossed. Fires, floods, and everything in between. It's been what you'd expect from the Dakar. Founded in the 1500s, Salta in northwest Argentina has been around long enough to know how to relax. And that made it the perfect spot for the long-awaited rest day. However, the cruise was still at work, making the most of the easier pace. Dakar 2016 has a very much up and back feel. The rally started in Buenos Aires and the short prologue had the competitors in Rosario to get things going for real. Severe rain, however, saw stage one cancelled. The turnaround point was in the mountains of Bolivia, just north of the salt flats in Uyuni. Today has everyone resting in Salta before engaging in the final six stages of the nearly 5,800-mile journey that ends with all the fanfare in Rosario. The majority of this year's Dakar taking place in Argentina. To put that distance in perspective here in North America, you could hop on your bike or get in your car from Anchorage, Alaska, drive all the way down to South Beach in Miami, and still be 1,000 miles shy of the shortest distance achieved in the two weeks of the Dakar. The distance, the terrain, the danger, all factors of why not everyone will reach the finish. The bikes have the most competitors still in the rally. The trucks have seen only four retirements, while the quads have the highest attrition rate with only 80% of the field still going. Time now for a look at the cars class to this point. For the second year in a row, 2014 winner Nanny Roma's hopes of winning the Dakar were realistically over. Stage two saw the Spaniard dodge spectators in a mud bog that caught more than its fair share of competitors out, but was particularly harmful to Roma who lost 47 minutes trying to dig out of another Dakar hole. It's too many people in the end. Alex say, be careful, so we need someone and I go. It's a lot of mud and, and water, and I go to the left, and it whoa, stuck there. And I need to wait uh, early, but early also stuck uh, after, whoa. Big, big 
The good news for the mini team is that World Rally Championship convert Mikko Hervinen's pace is for real. The Finn has been paired with co-driver Michelle Perrin, a four-time Dakar winner as a navigator, and the two have gelled to the point where it's hard to tell that Hervinen is only a rookie. Defending winner Nasser Alatia still leads the Mini Brigade's charge. The Qatari may be driving even better than he did last year on the way to his second win. Alatia would have a big lead, but there's just one obstacle ahead that wasn't there last year. We push like hell, <laughs> but there's not, uh, no chance. We cannot follow the, um, the buggy, but there's really, I am so impressed about uh, the Peugeot. Yes, Peugeot has been impressive with how much pace they've gained over last year. But heading into the rally, Stefan Petterhansel wasn't convinced. For sure we did a progress, uh, the car is faster. I think that we can expect a podium, but maybe it's too, too early for the victory. Petterhansel already grabbed two more stage wins, giving him 67 total for his career. Perhaps hoisting that 12th Dakar trophy next week will convince him they're ready to win. At least one driver he'll have to beat his teammate Carlos Sainz who rearranged the look of his Peugeot on the short prologue day, shedding the hood crossing the shallow river. El Matador sits third overall, aided by his first win in 2016 when he captured stage seven. Sainz is just under five minutes from the overall lead. When Sebastian Loeb jumped on board for this year's Dakar, pundits wondered if the nine-time WRC title holder would be a legitimate threat in his first try. The Frenchman answered those questions emphatically. Three stage wins and the overall lead, but Loeb knows the fight is not finished. I'm happy to be in the middle of the rally at the race day where by the car is amazing, it's really fast, so we are fighting between the three Peugeot and uh, uh, I can say Pedrantel uh, has a lot of experience of this rally and it's really fast. Carlos is pushing all the time, so it's, it's difficult to fight. The Peugeot's pace has irked Robbie Gordon. We're at all at a little bit of disadvantage. Um, you know, there's, there's no way that thing's a production motor in that Peugeot. There's too much variance between diesel and petrol at altitudes. We just pay a huge disadvantage. Eight minutes and have a perfect special is big disappointment. Disappointing Dakar. And um, I don't know. I'm going to have to rethink my Dakar program in general. Um, I doubt you'll see me back. Stage two didn't start out so great either, besides getting stuck in the mud. Gordon received a penalty. I can't believe it. The punishment for speeding past a car with a distress beacon cost him one hour and three minutes. It's a ruling he's appealing. Basically, the resolution from yesterday is um, we'll go back three years and we're going to go ahead and appeal the penalty. This series here, um, they make the rules as they go anyways. When there's been no drama, however, the Gordini has been near the front with two top ten stage results and the American was well on the way to another until the fuel tank ran dry. Stage six was another long day to forget. I can't believe we did that to ourselves. You know, there's, um, you know, sometimes you get beat by the competition, but most of the time you beat yourself. His Dakar protege is 18-year-old Sheldon Creed, the youngest competitor to ever attempt the Dakar. The Californian keeps posting better stage results and sits ahead of the boss in 24th. But it hasn't been without its struggles and strange moments causing some impromptu engineering from the teenager. It's a big tap problem, we just ran it 
all the way back. We ran 150 kilometers with Lyskis as our uh, steering wheel. The trek into the high altitudes in the first week caused the naturally aspirated Toyotas to lose significant horsepower. It's a big reason Janelle De Villiers sits only in sixth position overall. Yazid Al-Raji can brag about a third place in stage six, but there's not much else the brash second-year driver can say after being the rookie sensation of the class a year ago. But his area of expertise, the June sections, are coming up. Bernard Tenbrink won the short opening stage for Toyota, but would struggle to reach the top ten after that. The Dutchman's rally concluded on stage six when a punctured tyre they were carrying after changing it sparked a fire that engulfed the entire truck. The crew was uninjured. Toyota fills out the most places in the top ten behind the minis of Hervinen and Alatia, but everyone's chasing the top three Peugeots. With numerous changes to last year's car, the management is proud but aware that this first week could be too good to be true. We had to improve in many fields because uh, the first car last year has been made very quickly. Uh, we have been very happy to go to reach the finish line, but we had to improve a lot of things. One of the most important point was the lack of stability. Then we decided to make the car 20 centimeters wider, 20 centimeters longer. Then when you keep the same concept and you make the car bigger, you have to redesign a lot of things. We have three uh, top cars in the, in the top three, but uh, we have to be very careful for two reasons. First, uh, it's only our second edition of the Dakar, and the car is still very new. In the coming stages, with navigation, with sense, it's very easy to, lo to lose 20 minutes getting stuck in the sand, uh, getting lost uh, for the navigation, having two punctures, then uh, it's very easy to lose such a position. The bikes reach the halfway point of the rally with some big names going home. It's still Honda versus KTM at the front, and we'll recap the bikes class thus far. We also check in with the American riders' progress. More Dakar coming up. the Dakar 2016 on NBCSN. The bike competitors cleared the cobwebs with a short seven-mile prologue on the opening day and were keen to get the rally started. One not-so-small problem was the road to Rosario was a river. Medical helicopters and support staff could not be in their necessary positions and that left Dakar officials with no other choice than to cancel the stage. This year, one rider can be the first in a decade to win this thing, and their name is at Mark Comer or Cyril Dupre. The longtime rivals dominated the event for the last 10 years, so with Comer now retired and an official and Dupre in cars, it's someone else's turn. And maybe that's Toby Price. The Australian was Mark Comer's understudy at KTM last year, and study he did. The first real stage, he came out firing and won, and that was only the beginning. He's been victorious a total of three times this week, and if it weren't for a tough second day with navigational issues, he'd be leading outright. He's also got some additional help. It's just good to hear that Aussie accent over here, and yeah, the support here and back home has been amazing, so I can't thank everyone enough. This high flyer, Matthias Wachner, shared rookie status with Price last year. Both were standouts and both entered this year's Dakar with big expectations. The Austrian was delivering. Third on stage five, second on stage six. But then on stage seven, his rally came to an abrupt end. Aided by rally leader Paolo Gonsalves for more than ten minutes, 
Until further help could arrive in the form of other riders and the medical chopper, the painful news was that Walkner's crash resulted in a broken leg. One of the clear favourites for the bike park in 2016 was Honda staff Juan Bang Bang Barreda. Few off-road riders on the planet have the skill set the Spaniard does. His speed and bike control are sublime. Problem is, he's prone to the odd crash and misfortune seems to follow him in this event. And it did once more. Honda's words were his bike suffered a technical issue and that forced the 13-time Dakar stage winner to be towed home the last 150 miles of stage six and that's where his rally ended. Parader's Honda teammate and last year's runner-up, Paolo Gonçalves, was also a favourite. His race got off to a sketchy start, though, with electrical issues in the prologue. The cancellation of stage one was a blessing for his technicians, who would have an extra day to sort out the problems. Today, I think I'm a lucky guy, because with this problem, um, I cannot race normally. The mud bog in stage two also offered the Portuguese rider a headache or two, but it's his gritty determination, coupled with his speed, that saw the works Honda rider fight back to be the rally leader for the last four consecutive stages. Once a Red Bull KTM man, now a rock star Husqvarna rider, Ruben Faria looks good and rode very well. In fact, he got off to a flyer with second in the prologue and second on stage two. The problem was, he'd leave the rally flying as well, in a helicopter, after he broke his wrist on stage six, the same day Bereda was eliminated as well. Faria also suffered minor facial and mouth injuries. Ever female competitor, Lia Sands, swapped her Honda for a KTM this year. Her bike took water in on the prologue and she started stage two from 114. She finished 16. Say no more. We've witnessed her falling twice this week, though, but on both occasions they've been minor or easy offs, and both times she was uninjured. Her big drive is to repeat her history-making efforts of a year ago and finish in the top ten overall. She's on target in 15th with a week to go. This 30-year-old Spaniard truly is remarkable. Even though Paolo Gonçalves has only a single stage win, he's been the most consistent, and that's why he's been the bike leader for the last four consecutive days. Some challengers have retired, but there's still a huge threat from KTM's Toby Price and the Slovakian Stefan Sitko. American Ricky Brabeck knew he'd face a steep learning curve in his first Dakar, but boy, has the Baja specialist learned fast. The 24-year-old Californian has turned it on and delivered three top tens in the last four stages to be sitting 12th overall. Countryman Alexander Smith, son of the legend Malcolm Smith, is also on his first Dakar. The 30-year-old has been riding his Husqvarna to an improved position almost every day and sits inside the top 50. From Colorado to Argentina is quite the trek, but Ian Blythe is making the most of it. The 24-year-old Enduro Ace is an impressive 34th overall. Keep in mind, all five Americans are rookies. And that's why 45-year-old Scott Wright is having a blast. He too hails from Colorado and has been a long-time Dakar fan, currently sits in the top 50%. And finally, the transition from road racing to Dakar is a huge leap. But the man from Charlotte, Carol Guillory, has done it. It's been a massive learning week and he's improved every day. Let's hear what the boys have to say about week one. Dakar's gnarly. There's a lot of dust, rocks, you know, you name it. it every, everything's out here. The speed is a little bit out of my comfort zone right now, but I'm getting used to it. Every day is a, a stepping stone in, in this uh, adventure of mine, so I'm learning. This is really a dream and I want to finish. 
It's a little more grueling, and like the sleep deprivation is a little more real than I was expecting. There's not a lot of sports where if you make one mistake, like that can be it. And this is just like you lose your focus for one second, like the race can be over quick. It's been tough, a little bit of everything, and it's not just going out and riding your motorcycle. No, you come in and it's pouring rain in camp and everything's soaking wet. Just all of that extra stuff kind of compounds and makes the race that much harder. I just need to keep my wits about me, uh, stay focused forward, and, um, and and stay out of trouble. That's the, that's the big thing. I'm incredibly impressed with the people down here and the enthusiasm that everyone has for uh, this sport and this event. I really wish uh, we had something like this back in the United States. That would be awesome. In the 40-year history of the Dakar, only two Americans have finished on the podium in the bikes. Is it possible for Ricky Brabeck? He's almost inside the top ten, and there's still six days left. From bikes battling the terrain of Dakar to the beautiful machines for any two-wheel collection, tonight, Meekum Auctions presents their 25th annual vintage and antique motorcycle auction from Las Vegas. That's coming up at 7 p.m. The lead in the trucks class has bounced around the first week, and the most surprising part is that Kamaz hasn't led, while others tackle the Dakar in a different manner. The story of the electric car team is next. Dakar Rally from South America here on NBCSN. It's time to look at the first week of trucks action. Defending winner Ayrat Mardiev and the entire Kamaz team started sluggish, but have begun to turn their performance around by the rest days. The Russians his third overall. Teammate Edouard Nikolaev is the only man to bring home any stage wins for Kamaz this year. Despite the victories, Nikolaev still trails Mardiev overall. Their rivals from Aveco are trying to get a big gap while the Russian fleet struggles because they know next week will be tougher. Gerard DeRoy has already won a stage and sits in second position. Alez Lepre made the switch to the Aveco fold this year, hoping it would make him a Dakar winner. But the Czech lost hours on stage five, fixing a wheel hop and couldn't make the start of stage six. The man seat that Lepre vacated was filled by 2007 winner Hans Stacey. The Dutchman pulled into the lead after winning stage six, but lost it due to a ninth place finish the next day. But the overall advantage in the class stays with the MAN team, thanks to Peter Versluis, who takes the top spot for the third time this rally. The Dutchman started off strong with a stage two win. It's rare to see three different manufacturers at the top of the truck. That's normally a Kamaz sweep. But the MAN has shown great form thus far from leader Versluis and Stacey. Rookie Federico Viagra has led at one point, but the Argentinian has dropped to six. How's this for different from a 20,000 pound truck? Argentinian Ariel Jeton and crew are indeed driving a revolutionary vehicle powered by several batteries. The electric car team is intent on finishing the Dakar rally in 2016. The car has a normal tubular chassis with an electric engine in the central part connected to a gearbox with six gears like a conventional car. It's equipped with eight packs of batteries. These packs are easily connectable to be charged. 
There are 14,600 batteries of this type that are connected together to power the engine. Normally to drive this car, we have a circuit breaker and we have a dashboard that gives us information on the energy. We have other systems giving us an idea of how much the batteries are charged. The steering is electric, unlike on a normal car. We have a regulator for the smoothness of steering. Unlike normal cars, we have a pedal where the clutch normally is, and it's used to regenerate energy. It's an electric brake, and that helps to recharge the batteries. We believe that clean energy, renewable energy, electric energy is able to compete with conventional energy. We worked a lot on this electric car to demonstrate that renewable energies can be used on the toughest race in the world. They reached the rest day and the electric power team is 86 of the 91 cars left. It's been a rough week for the quads category. The last two winners of the event are out, while crashes have even plagued the lead riders. We'll recap the quads when we return with more Dakar here on NBCSN. On NBCSN. You're watching the 2016 Dakar Rally from South America here on NBCSN. Topping the significant stories in the quads class during the first week was the retirement of the reigning Dakar champion, Rafael Sonic. The Polish racer is one of the more charismatic competitors, but no amount of personality could fix this broken clutch. Not just one Dakar champion out, but two. Ignacio Casale's exit was more painful, though. After leading the first four days, he crashed on stage six and broke his collarbone. The Argentinian Patronelli brothers are back this year and have made an impact in more ways than one. Two-time champion Marcus experienced this minor incident, in addition to a stage win to finish his first week in second overall. His older brother Alejandro's crash was more spectacular but had the same result. No serious injury, and the 2011-2012 champ was able to continue. So much so, he leads the rally overall in the quad class, heading into the final week. The snapshot of the four classes shows us tight gaps in all categories. Can Gonsalves turn second last year into a win this year? And will the Patronellis prevail in the quads? In the cars, are Stefan Penahansel and Carlos Sainz really going to let Sebastian Loeb upstage them? Or maybe they don't have a choice. And in the trucks, if the mighty Kamaz can turn third into first over the next six days, it'll be a Dakar story for generations to come. The competitors can rest no more. The halfway milestone is gone. And everyone is eyeing the prize at the finish line in Rosario. We'll be here for the trek beginning tomorrow at 5.30 p.m. Eastern for Stage 8.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.